I was doing a great job. I loved what I did, and I was very successful at what I was doing, but something was missing. Sit back, relax, and get ready to embrace the work hard, smile large vibe. Welcome to the Work Hard, Smile Large podcast. I have my magnificent friend, Shelly Mack, joining me today in the studio. And we have so much to share with you about how we actually met because it's super unique. Um, and then also talk about her life's journey and her goals and dreams. So Shelly, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh my goodness. Thank you. The pleasure is going to be all mine, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Let's um, tell them a little bit about you. Where are you from? Gosh, well, exactly. It's What's like, where do I on? start? Well, um, <laughs> if you're listening to my voice, you can tell that I'm not from here. I'm originally from New Zealand, born and born and raised. Um, gosh, I from the moment that I came out of my mother's womb, I've always been a bit of an explorer. So I couldn't wait to get on a plane and, and travel the rest of the world. So you'll probably find a little bit more out about where I've been and, and the experiences that I've had. I mean, that's the best part about having our guests fill out their form um, to be, be on the podcast with me is that I get to learn so much more about them. What you can put into a few paragraphs that I didn't already know was just it lit my eyes up. I'm like, I cannot wait to get on camera today. Wow. So. Oh, good. Well, thank you. Like I said just earlier when we were talking before we started is that it got me thinking about a few things. You had, you know, just a brief about what, what we might cover and um, these sorts of, uh, you know, podcasts, I love them because it always brings something out and, and they're good reminders of some things that we've forgotten. Yep. Yep. Where we came from, because it's so important. Our journey is so important. Um, it molds us, you know, the ups and the downs, the swervy parts, you know, but they do mold us. I mean, I'm, I'm here in Austin now. Mm -hmm. And had my family not relocated, I would not have had the pleasure of meeting you so easily, right? Because we just kept our frequencies kept passing each other. We're on social media. And as everybody knows, social media kind of targets certain things. And I kept seeing this startup business hit my feed on Instagram. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I love Tulum. I used to travel to the Riviera Maya all the time. And I love her bags. And so I reached out to Shelly after a few times seeing it on my feed. And I'm like, hey, I just moved here. I'm an entrepreneur. You're an entrepreneur. Like, I'd love to meet you for a cup of coffee. Like, literally, that's how we met. <laughs> I know. And let me tell you, you are amazing like that, how you just reach out to people and you're such a go-getter. And I feel like that was something that um, I've always lived by you know it's like if I want to do something I, I go for it and uh, I'm glad you made that phone call and we instantly just hit it off it was just so natural and I think being um, you know both of us I think for you California kind of it, it reminds me of home New Zealand we share the same ocean the Pacific Ocean you know just there were aspects of that that we talked about that we miss that we don't necessarily have here in, in Austin yeah. the sound of the waves the sand in your feet you uh -huh. know, all those things that Simple really ground things. you and yes, you know yes. help you find your peace but we find our peace in other ways here right I mean you find your peace in music yes you do oh absolutely and I couldn't be in a better place if I really if that's my jam right and that what brought me here, that was actually exactly what brought me here back in uh, 2010. I uh, was on my way to New Orleans to record an album. And um, I happened to be passing through Austin to visit a girlfriend. On your way to, to New Orleans from where, though? Because let's just, like, wind it back a little bit because there's a few destinations on the map that right. she could. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, gosh. Um well, really, my traveling started when I was very young. I um, I was brought up, raised in a um, blue-collar family, very hard-working parents. Um, in fact, I, I don't know, they, they really taught me a lot about if I wanted something, I really had to work hard to get it. Uh, yeah, yes. Hence, I loved, I love this. Work hard, smile large. That's been pretty much my entire life. It's like I know pretty much everything that I've ever done. It's never just come to me. It's something that I've really had to work hard. But it's usually something that's a little a little bit outside the, the box. You know what I mean? Yep. It's not just falling into something. You've had to learn to get uncomfortable, to oh. get comfortable being uncomfortable. Many, many times. And I started that uh at the young age of 16, 17, when um, I came home from school, from high school one day, and I had uh, 
been part of a, um, I guess, a discussion at school about doing um, students abroad, like travelling overseas and, and studying for a year. So I went home with this pamphlet and presented that to my parents and said, I really would love to do this. And straight away my father said, absolutely not, no, no way. We can't afford to do that. You crazy? It's so similar to my college story because I was a first-generation college graduate. And while I was at Arizona State University and my undergraduate, studying for my undergraduate degree, um, my friends were studying abroad. And I was like, Mom, Dad, I would love to do this. Like, I want to perfect my Spanish. I think it'd be so great. I don't want to do it in Mexico. We've traveled to Mexico a lot. I want to go to Spain and learn proper Spanish. Um, And they're like, no. And so I worked my way through college. They didn't understand. They just wanted me to stay super focused. I worked. I got grants in state or out of state grants for to pay for my tuition. I finished my credits early. I got reduced rent because of my grades and I just kind of blazed through college. But when it was done, I looked at all the money I'd saved nannying full time for a family in Scottsdale. And I said, I'm sending myself abroad. Like I have to check this off my list before I start my life. And in graduating college, you're at that point of like stepping that next step into adulthood and a career. And at that time I wanted to be an educator. Um, And so I sent myself to Spain. Yeah. Well, I mean, very similar deal. Um, I knew that, yeah, I had to really just break away from, I think, where my path was going to go, you know, and that was one thing I wanted to try. It was scary as hell. I didn't even, I I ended up going to Japan of all places. I had um, friends that were going to America and Europe and all these really cool places. And I just thought, and I don't know where this came from, you know, at such an early age, but I felt like I needed to experience something incredibly different, something maybe that I would never get the opportunity to do again. So um, I did not realize really truly what I was putting myself into, you know, like this this was really a, a very, very different culture. Yep. Um, I didn't really know the language, so I, I start, started from ground zero and it took me a good, I would say, six to eight months to sort of get a handle on the language and that's when the penny dropped for me that I needed to forget everything that I had known in New Zealand to really sort of be accepted by my peers and for me to really make the most of that time. I had to start acting and and really truly immerse immerse myself yeah and and it's not easy and it's not instantaneous it's something that you you have to really you got to give it time you do and I immersed myself in the Spanish culture and I gained weight and I found that water was cheaper than wine and that's all I could afford so I was like (laughs) wine and tapas and I'm like my pants don't button but you know I immersed myself in the culture and I made it last as long as I possibly could because it was it was fulfilling I look back at it and I don't you feel like it just made your skin a little thicker you know God, especially at such mm -hmm, a young age mm -hmm. like it it was probably one of the hardest and yet the most rewarding years of of my entire life and I worked so hard to get there that you know even through some of the real tough times I had to keep reminding myself of what I actually went through to get there and you know there's a huge lesson in that like because it wasn't easy like my dad said no so then I tried to figure out okay I'm gonna I'm gonna prove to him that yes I can do this you know similarly to yourself I was 17, so I was still in high school. I um, I had three jobs. My mum took raffles to her um, job. Um, I sold all my worldly possessions at that particular time, my little nifty 50 that I was traveling around and everything. I made it happen. And so when, yeah, it got tough, that was a good reminder and it, and it kept me on course. And so when I finally did come home, um, I was really proud of what I had accomplished. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And it helped prepare you probably for the other journeys that you oh, took in your life. Look, it was just the, the tip of the iceberg. Like that that right there was the beginning of my desire and thirst for adventure. Like, okay, if I can do that, then I really want to go out there and see what else is. Um, so how long were you in Japan for? I was there just a year. Okay. Um, I could have done with being there longer for sure, just because of the fact that I um, that the language started to really fall into place. Another year would have been fantastic. But I came home and rather than go to university, which is where all my friends were, I decided that university wasn't for me. I didn't know if it was for me forever, but I just, at that point in time, I wasn't committed to doing something when I didn't know what I wanted to study. Study. I didn't want to waste that time. And coming from, you know, parents who couldn't really afford to do that, I thought, okay, I think maybe I'll just take 
some time to figure out what I want to do next. So I actually stepped into a job um, working for a tourism uh, outfit where I was using my Japanese for tourists that were coming to New Zealand. Oh, good. Using it is the best thing oh, that you've come back. It was fantastic. I was this little blonde thing and welcoming all the Japanese off the big buses and then showing them. Um, actually, it was on a farm. <laughs> sheep shearing was involved. I wasn't shearing the sheep. Okay. <laughs> but I was, I was describing what was going on in Japanese, which was a lot of fun. And from there, I then moved into a travel job because that was my thing. I wanted to travel. So that kind of seemed a logical step to take. So I got into travel and then uh, had the opportunity to move to Scotland. My Celtic roots were calling and I went and lived there in Glasgow, was there for a couple of years. And during that time, I got to then visit a lot of countries in Europe and in the um, United Kingdom. So that was an amazing time. I did not want to come home from that. And then you returned back after two years. I did. I returned back to New Zealand. And that's the thing. I I, I come home. I miss home. I love to be, you know, it's not like I wanted to leave my family, but I just had this thirst for experiencing all these cultures and, and people and and part of my growing up was I wanted to figure out myself. You know, I had to go lose myself to find myself, which is, if that makes sense. Truly most valuable lesson. Exactly. And and get out of my comfort zone many times. I mean, that was just a, another um, time in my life where, yeah, I mean, it was uncomfortable, but really I had so much fun. And then you make so many friendships and you, you know, you meet so many people from around the world. When you talk about going to different cultures, I think that for me helped prepare me for business because I did not go to college and study business and I wasn't brought up being taught entrepreneurship and I feel like getting comfortable like meeting people from all over the world and hearing about their history and their culture and them sharing their traditions with you just made me so much more open and more confident in who we are and like what I brought to the table and what my culture had to offer and what my traditions were and stuff like that and I think those travel friendships and relationships really helped with me with business and business relationships. and Oh, absolutely. And I still am friends with a lot of those people today. And that's like 30 plus years ago. Oh my gosh. And I laugh because I'm not, I mean, I am, some of us are still connected, but I go, oh my gosh, when I graduated college, we weren't even emailing our friends and there was no social media. And and I'm not that old. I'm really not. But like that would have been so much more magnificent to stay in touch with people with social media or email and that I don't have those contacts for those people. Some of them I do. Yeah. Not well, as we many did, as I would like. We did not have, like, I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't even have an email address when I was living in Japan. So it was a phone call, maybe two or three times like a during calling the whole card time. But it was phone, yeah. letter writing. We, we, my parents wrote letters. Um, and so when I was in Scotland, same sort of thing. But uh, then Facebook was introduced and that, that was after I had left Scotland. So we kind of found each other through Facebook book and uh, pretty amazing uh, technology, how that was able to to bring all you know people from your past back to into your life, and and then go visit you know when you're back in the their neck of the woods, yeah, or when they come to you know the United States, they get yeah. to come pass through and see you. It's uh-huh. just yeah, uh-huh. reconnect. Yep, yep. So yeah, so Scotland was uh, a, a big, an amazing experience, and then um, and then I had to travel back to New Zealand, and I, of course I didn't want to just go straight home. I, I thought, right, where am I going to travel through on my way back? And I, I knew the Middle East was one of those places, another place that I thought, mm, I might not get back to the Middle East and uh, East Africa. So I, uh, yeah, oh my gosh, I can't even begin to tell you how amazing that trip was. Like probably I, scary as hell. Um, like passing through on your way back trip or like spent a significant amount of time? Spent uh, three months just going through um, some of the most important parts of uh, like Israel, Jordan, um, you know, then finally got to Cairo and just seeing all that history and I mean, heading out into the uh, Mount Sinai, um, climbing Mount um, Sinai to where apparently the first Bible exists, still exists today at three o'clock in the morning watching the sunrise and doing some of those things that, uh, you know, once you start your family and stuff, you're never really going to get back there to do. Um, I was traveling through those parts, those very remote parts um, where it was a scary time too. There was a lot of unrest. Um, East Africa, I was on the border of Zaire and Uganda and we traveled past these um places where there'd been camps like refugee camps and what have you where people and children oh my god it was just horrible to, to see but again part of my journey and my learning was just how the other world lives mm-hmm. and 
I have to say that really changed me a lot, um, thinking about how the Western world lives and just we get on that rat race and trying to succeed and all this, you know, that the materialistic things Well, and the life. gratitude for our comfort and our safety. Exactly. Not, nowhere is perfect. You know, everybody tries, but I think being grateful for safety and... Yes, yes. So. Take it all for granted, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So when I got back from that trip and finally got home for Christmas, my parents didn't know I was on my way home. You know, again, didn't really, we didn't communicate via um, technology. We literally, it was a letter or well, postcard. you're on the road kind of moving like that. Yep. You're not writing letters because they can't return oh, them. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. My mom, I put mum through hell, I think. <laughs> oh, my gosh. If my son does that to me, I'm never going to forgive him, <laughs> but I am going to encourage it at the same time. It's You'll like, be right along his side. Yeah, yeah. You. Just make sure you keep me I mean we're lucky because we have the technology I know that he'll always be able to reach out to me no matter where he is or what's going on but I do my mum poor thing devastated her when I wanted to leave home at the tender age of 17 and, and it just never really stopped from there poor thing so you made your way back and travel was a big part of your life but then when did music really start infiltrating well, you know, I, I, music didn't really hit straight away. In fact, so the whole going back to school. So I didn't know what I wanted to do if, if I wanted to go back to school. And I think my traveling and stuff, um, I, I felt like maybe I needed to go back to school for a little bit. So I, I put myself through university at the age of 25. So now I'm an adult student. I'm considered an adult student. And um I did that for three and a half years. I did a Bachelor of Arts degree and majored in political science and Japanese language. So I took that even further thinking, you know what, I might actually now get into the world of exporting. So I, I fell into a job with the New Zealand Trade uh, Exporting Agency and started to have some great success with that. I am amazed because we're sitting here talking about Tulum to you in the last couple of weeks, which we'll get her to introduce Tulum to you pretty soon here. Um, and... You're like, yeah, now I'm exporting to New Zealand. And I'm going like, wow, how did she learn all that stuff? But you were doing that at a young age and you're reintroducing that to yourself now with mm -hmm. your brand to loom to you. It's kind of gone full circle. It's now interesting it because I wasn't the person exporting. I was helping others, you know, New Zealanders to figure out how to export um, one of the countries, Japan, of course, which was great because I, I was that person that was you know, communicating with some of these um, trade development officers that were, you know, uh, based in, out of Japan. So I was doing a great job. I loved what I did and I was very successful at what I was doing, but something was missing. Something really, really significant was missing and I really couldn't put my finger on it to begin with. And it wasn't until I uh, actually took another little trip to visit my brother who had moved actually to New Orleans and his life was there now with his family. Um, and I hadn't seen my brother in and a long time. And that's not a little trip. Going from New Zealand to New Orleans is not a little trip. It's not a little trip. <laughs> to me, that was. That's a big trip. That was not a little Yeah, exactly. It is a big trip, yeah. The flight time and everything. But uh, I went and visited my, my brother and... Um, he took me to see this amazing jazz and all this gorgeous live music that you see out of um, New Orleans. And it was like I got hit by lightning. It was just I had this epiphany of, oh, my gosh, I'm really missing music in my life. Now, let's just rewind, actually, go back to before I was bit by the travel bug and everything. I actually was into music from a very young age. I sang in choirs. I did musicals. I did all of that. And I had a voice. And I was told I had talent and I should maybe, you know, pursue that. But I really didn't have the belief in myself at that time. So I, I reached a sort of stage in my life where I developed stage fright and thought maybe this isn't my thing. So, you know, I then pivoted and, and did the whole traveling and, and did that. But... Lo and behold, it definitely was something that was inside me all this time. And New Orleans would bring that out of somebody. It totally did. It, to the point that it really disturbed me. I came home from that trip and I suddenly looked at my life at that particular time and what I was doing and, you know, making great money, had just built a beautiful home. I had all the material things, but I wasn't fulfilled. And I couldn't, you know, when you just can't figure out what is it that's actually missing. And there started this, I embarked on a journey of um, getting myself, first of all, a life coach. And she helped me to really kind of peel back the layers. And, and really one of the very first questions she asked me was, so 
if you could like turn back the clock and do something that you always wanted to do, what is what would that be? And I laughed. I said, well, you know, and now I'm like 29. Be in a band, sing in a band. Would have loved to have done something like that when I was younger, but I'm, I've missed the boat. She said, we haven't. If you could really like focus on something for the next little while, you know, why don't we explore that? Let's let's look at what it would take for you to maybe get out there and sing. So what would that look like? And so from there we just started setting these goals. And I think I started with her in, in January of that year and um, she made me pick a date in the future of that year. She said, let's pick a date. Um, you, so, set, you set your vision. Yep, I set my vision to... I said, okay, so I'm going to audition for a band. October 1st is my birthday. Let's just pick that date. Let's do that. I'm going to turn 29. Let's let's do that. So from there, we then worked on the steps it would take to get to that moment. So the first thing I then had to do was uh, engage a, um, a vocal coach. And so I worked with her, and I kid you not, on the 1st of October, the very day, just so happened to be an audition for a band, the Vipers, they were called, and I auditioned and I, I got the gig. And uh, the very um, the, the next moment, I'm basically thrusting myself out onto a, a different stage. Yeah, and we'll talk about dates because I have a friend, Tiffany, she'll come on a future episode and she makes me set dates. Um, and she's been a very successful entrepreneur and she's had fabulous businesses and she talks to my husband and I when we're hanging out in social settings and stuff and she made my husband pick a date I'm not allowed to tell anybody what that date is but the power of picking a date and setting your vision on that date and that goal and putting that date somewhere visible is super powerful oh my gosh like time and time again I've always that's for me it's kind of all or nothing I, I gotta have something to work towards I really need that to anchor me and go, right, I'm committed, right, this is it. There's no room for um, fail if I, I know that I've got and I've given myself that that time to because yeah. preparation too. Like I'm a stickler for preparation. I've got to allow myself the time to know that I can own it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't I don't like giving myself like just enough time to wear. I mean, of course, Setting yourself goals that are scary, that's one thing. But I, I also always want to make sure that I give myself the time to to be really, truly prepared. The steps that will get you there. Yeah, yeah. And the training. The... Vocal coach, not vocal coach, the uh, life coach taught me a lot. I can't say enough about um, life coaches. They are truly just amazing to help you, you know, get through some of the, the roadblocks and, um, and, and, yeah, banging that that wall down um just chipping it away at it in a way that you feel like okay this is manageable especially when you're working full-time and if you've maybe got a so when you were training or when you were i guess training conditioning yourself for your october 1st date and goal um were you still working your other job yeah. like were you doing okay so you were doing both yep. as you led up to that oh yeah yeah i was and uh and then once the music started to take off um, I was very blessed. I was working with some of the best musicians in the country. Um, I mean, I was reading what you put on your guest forum and I'm like Elton John. And I mean, you had some big names. Yeah. Well, I mean that though, you know, that took from putting myself out there, then started to write original music, recording an album, releasing it to radio. And then, you know, we had this album launch and we invited all the big you know, um, decision makers and the industry to Managers come to that. Stuff, yep, yep, all of that. And one guy that happened to be at that particular um, launch was the promoter for Elton John. And he absolutely loved what he heard. He, he thought the songs were just so um, original and, and he really was excited and approached me and my band and said, would you like to open for Elton John? You'll be the only act that will be opening for him on his one date in Wellington in um, this big stadium in it, which held 40,000 people. So that was the uh, the launch of my music career, well and truly was that, and didn't look back. No. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Um, I have some pretty important questions I like our guests to talk about, but I want you to kind of take what music has done for you in your life because music's brought you mm. a lot of different places, but it's helped you meet certain people in your life. Too. <laughs> <laughs> it has it has it's so fun it's ironic actually because what, what we're about to talk about is how I met my husband 
And funnily enough, when I got into the music industry, I always swore I would never, ever date um, or, or, you know, marry somebody within the, the same industry. I felt like it needed to be a separate industry. Um, and I don't know, it's funny, I had been asked out many times, you know, I don't know if I can say this, the children are going to be listening to this. <laughs> I don't know. But the rule of thumb was you never screw the crew. So it was like, it was just a no-go yep. zone for me. But uh, anyway, I happened to be, um, after I had opened for Alton and very soon after I got the opportunity to op um, open for uh, Eric Clapton. And, uh, you know, it was amazing the trajectory of, of uh, where the band was going. But I, gosh, I have this thing where I get bored. You know, I just felt like I needed to. Never. <laughs> it's really bad. Um, and I, after six or seven years, which is a long time, that's a, that was a good chunk of time. I had put my heart and soul, sacrificed so much, put everything. I, I was married to this, right? And then I felt like I wanted to go further afield than just New Zealand. Um, and so I kind of. Broke my band's heart by saying, "Look, let's just take a break. I don't know if this is forever, but I really want to go and explore and see what else is out there for me." So then um, I had connected with Hall of Notes um, band leader at the time and lead guitarist Shane Terrio, who was based out of New Orleans, and um, I reached out to him, wanted to record a very different album. This was something very different to what I had done in New Zealand, and so, um, but on my way to New Orleans. I uh, was okay. passing through Austin, good old Austin, Texas. Uh, I had a girlfriend who had been telling me for a long time that it's the music capital of the world. You've got to come to Austin. I want to show you what it's all about. So the very first night I um, arrived and she took me out to see, um, to a show, which happened to be um, my future husband's show, Rod Williams. Um, that evening, uh, my girlfriend, who can be, unbelievably embarrassing at times, um, went up to Rod's manager and said, you've got a, an amazing Kiwi superstar in the house and you need to get her up on stage tonight. You need to get her up. And he's like, who the hell are you? And coming up to me and asking those sorts of questions to making those demands and that. And I'm like, oh, my God, Barbara, don't do that. Anyway, long story short, um, during his break, he was told that there was this girl from New Zealand who had opened for Elton and Eric and um, original performer and, and would it be okay if I got up and just sung to his audience? And he's like, oh, it's pretty bullshit, you know, pretty confident. Um, let's see what she's got. So he took his guitar off and handed it to me. Which is true, Rod, personality. Oh, like, absolutely wanted to test right. me, like, let's see what yeah. this girl's got. <laughs> and his uh, strap was still fully, like, in the length that was comfortable for him. He knew it would be a little too low for me because I'm a lot shorter than him. And uh, and he's like, oh, and it's also tuned in E-flat, which if you're not an, a musician, what that is is that um, for some people, like my husband, um, had written songs in certain um, keys um, and sometimes, you know, you need to tune um, an instrument maybe half a step lower just because, you know, you might be dealing with something where your, your voice can't handle some of the higher end, your, your high end register. So anyway, it was, it was uh, tuned in E flat and he's thinking this is going to be interesting and I'm like, oh yeah, I can sing in any key and I'm, I'm fine with that. And he said, my band plays by ear, so they'll just play along with you, just, you know, knock yourself out. So there I am, like Joan Jett with the way that the, cast, <laughs> the, the guitar is sitting on me. And um, I just turned to the guys and I said, all right, well, this is uh, one of my originals. Um, just, you know, feel free to fall in, you know, see what you can do. So I played about two or three songs um, of my own songs and then I thought, right, I'm going to um, uh, – play a song that they all know. It was a Crowded House song, actually. I thought these guys will definitely know this. So we rocked that out. I was looking for him in the crowd because, you know, this is his show and I was already kind of embarrassed by the whole way that I ended up on his stage. So uh, then I, I called out for him. I said, hey, Rod, if you're, you know, anywhere near the stage, you know, come on, come back up. So then he eventually made his way up to the stage and um, I handed him his guitar and I said, thank you so much for being so gracious and uh, allowing me to get up and sing to your audience. And he said, where are you going? He said, you stay right there. He said, you know how to play tambourine. He said, why don't you stay up for a couple of songs and, um, yeah, just play some backing vocals, you know, sing some backing vocals. So I did. He played one of his own original songs that I'd never heard of and um, I started singing, I, you know, 
picked up on it pretty quick and um, was up there for a couple of songs. And then eventually I thought, I'd better get back down to my girlfriend. I don't want to leave her on her own. And, um, and that's how we met. So left quite the impression. And the chemistry was instantaneous. It, it literally was, yeah, immediate. So did you make it to New Orleans? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I had no choice. I, I had to make it to New Orleans. Um, a few days later, I actually, I, I had to go to New York first and then New Orleans. So everything was already in place and there was no way I could miss my meetings. But uh, but while I was in New Orleans for that like five weeks that I was recording, I was talking on the phone. It was like old school dating. We talked on the phone every day and we got to know each other. Like it was a really beautiful way of really just figuring some stuff out over the telephone. It was, it was lovely. Beautiful. And now it's how many years later? We're 13 years later. 13 years later. Yeah. yeah. And a son. Oh, and a nine-year-old. Nine yes. Year old, so yeah. blessed. And, uh, you know, my life's motto has always been that it's never too late, you know, really just, um, and I've, I've seen this in my life many times where I've sort of thought mm, maybe it's too late, but, you know, I was told I was going to head into early menopause at the age of uh, 40, 41, and I thought, okay, well, you know, I'm going to accept maybe that that is just the way it is. And then lo and behold, a, um, a $70 bar tab changed that. <laughs> I've never never heard of that before. That is no, awesome. I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> uh, bar tabs were seventy dollars. Yeah, back 13 then, years, right? Nine years ago, <laughs> ten years ago, not anymore. Yeah. No, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, we we fell pregnant, and we were both really surprised. It took us by surprise, and it was just the most beautiful gift, and the best production yet for the for the pair of us that have produced many um, songs together and, and, you know, individually, but our greatest yeah production yet. It's never too late. I love that motto. It's and that's like one of the late. things that I want to just have all of our guests share because everybody has something that you believe in or that you say to yourselves or that you've experienced that carries with you on a daily basis, like a mantra or anything like that. So, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I've, I have been really faced with that. I think about when I went back to school, as a you know, some people go, oh, I'm too old for that, but no, I, I did it with the music industry. Let me tell you, I was faced with a lot of um, it's you're too you're too old, mm -hmm. you're, you're especially for the music industry. I mean, you're kidding me, you, you're now launching at 30, 31. Nah, that's like when people are starting to, I think, are actually heading into their prime. In fact, still a long way, a lot of storytelling to be told. Well, I think life, like you really don't grow into yourself. And I say like for women, it's, you know, for females, it's about 25. Once you really know what your trajectory is going to be and what path you want to take, because you've experienced everything up to 25. Yeah. And I honestly, like in my opinion and my experience, I have a ton of male friends and just, I don't think men really know that until they're almost 35. Right. I think that's when they truly settle into their comfortable skin and, you know what I mean, are able to skip or run or jog along their life's path too. Yeah. It's just it's what, how life is. It's how we mature. Yeah. You know, what experiences we let in, what experiences we take advantage of. Exactly. And and I think also just just the nature of what where I had been and the things that I, I chose was just a little bit off the beaten track that I never even thought about when family was going to even come into the picture, yeah. if at all. Like when I did fall pregnant, I know my mum was completely shocked and said, I didn't honestly think that you would ever become a mum. And now I can't imagine my life without my son. I mean, oh my gosh, it's, everything has changed so much. So, I mean, just profoundly changed. And I'm so grateful. And you share all grateful. Him. You share your music with him. He's with you on your Friday night gigs. And, yes, yes. Um, I, I wanted to instill, you know, how, how hard it is too. You know, like the industry, music industry is really, really tough. It's not for the for the faint-hearted at all. It can, in front of people oh yeah, and and he's such a natural. Like he's he's got a voice for sure, and we have nurtured that. But really, at the end of the day, he's just got his dad's personality. Thank you, Jesus, because he Rod is a bright light. Like he he loves people. He's interested in people. You know what I mean? So he just he makes friends so quickly. And Jesse is a lot like that too. Thank goodness. And it's good. And that's what I want Work Hard, Smile Large to be able to do for all of our youth ambassadors. I want them to be able to talk about the hard work and the yes. things that they're doing that make them smile and that they're yearning for, wanting to learn more about. And so they can learn to collaborate with each other and build each other up and support each other. And I know oh. Jesse was at you know the woodshed with my daughters and yes. they've all 
had different, you know, experiences there and stuff like that and mm-hmm. been coached up and, you know. It's, it's been a, it's been amazing to be in a community where we have, you know, at our fingertips such an amazing, like the Musician Woodship has been phenomenal for us as a family too. And, and then also sharing that with the rest of the community. Like we are not insular with what we have here we really want to try and make a difference yeah and the singing and the music changed my daughter's life when we first moved here so Luelle was you know fifth grade going to fifth grade and she we she had to leave her close little group of friends and we were relocating as a family and this was our life adventure and when I saw the sign pulling out of a Target parking lot I'm like oh my gosh they have a camp let's try that you know and what that led to with her going into vocal lessons and wanting to sing and then taking her shyness and really having to overcome that and be in front of a crowd and, and then meeting you and knowing that your son was there, <laughs> you know, with his yeah. music and stuff. It, it really was a connector for us that having that music and having the woodshed. And I would have never thought it was going to one little summer camp was going to lead to us, my daughter overcoming a lot of stuff and oh. finding herself and building her confidence and and music is so powerful like that. Like I'm actually working, I'm mentoring a girl right now who has the most amazing voice. Like I, she is the, she's got it. But unfortunately she just shuts down. Like when she performs, she's not allowed to, to allow herself to really um, shine and be vulnerable and, and really feel what she's, you know, singing. And I, I feel a lot of teenagers when they get to a certain age, especially girls, they are constantly like looking at, am I enough? You know, am I pretty enough? Am I talented enough? You know, all those things just are constantly that they're running through their minds. And this girl in particular, I just, I know she's got the goods and I know she wants it really, really bad. And that's the wonderful thing about, you know, the industry that I have been in. It was not easy. I had to walk through a lot of just, you, to put you yourself know, in those rejection. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it. I mean, gosh. And as a woman, you know, and that whole kind of, you're not sexy enough, you're not young enough, it's like, oh, that's ridiculous. I've got the music. Let the audience, let the listener um, decide what if I've got something to offer, you know. And so it made me really, really tough. But, yeah, working with these kids. Oh, to convince absolutely the naysayers. In fact, in, in some ways I'm, I'm glad that happened because, you know, I was – literally on the verge of getting a, a major record deal with EMI in New Zealand. And um, I just don't know if, if that had happened, I would have lost control over the creative side and, and maybe, you know, really the my destiny of where that was going to, yeah, where I was going to end up and meeting my husband and, and having my child. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm so grateful. Yeah, things happen for a reason. And That's awesome. Yeah. I have I have done over the years and I love watching them just it, it doesn't just um, affect their music career if they decide to pursue it it spills into the rest of their lives and I love seeing that and I think it's a safe place for them to, to land and, and just like be themselves coach. I mean you're like you have said it's so great to have a life coach I mean, having a music coach is a lot like that too because yeah, music is so much of your life yeah. and your identity. Yep, 100%. And and that fulfills me. So and that, it's kind of, I guess, selfish in a way. I do that for them, but I get so much in return. So it's, it's, I've been so blessed in that regard. 100%. That's a lot of people who say, oh my gosh, you're always doing so much. I'm like, I would have it no other way. Yeah. Like it fills my cup just right. as much. Yeah. Know, you learn so much from other people. From the day we met and the things that you told me that you had done and were doing, and I'm just like, oh, my God, you're such a bright light. We both did that. We had, you know, like a little power date over coffee. And <laughs> we did. It's and like we two talked. or three hours later, know, I'm like, wow. So much, I'm like, I have to go now. I have meetings. And we, like, <laughs> the clock was just running. And um, yeah. we just, yeah, we both have kept reaching for our goals. And yeah. we both set goals and talked about visions and these dreams that we had about our brands and what we wanted to do and you're doing it and yes. I mean I'm doing it like work hard smile large podcast was something that I was wanting to do I know and you and talked work about hard, it smile yes. large was just starting I really hadn't even really put a logo it. to it mm-hmm. I mean, we're about a year now and it's helped my daughter significantly which was the main reason why we had to get our life's motto out into the world and it's helped my friends and yes we did vision mapping this year and you're on a you're on a journey so like 
let's talk about your dreams and goals this year. Yeah, well, I mean, let's just first of all talk about that whole vision board uh, event that you put together and the speakers and, and everything about that because it had been a while since I'd done anything like that and it really um, excited me when you told me about it and what was going to happen and I thought okay, this is going to be really good for me because I really do need to start re-evaluating um, where I'm at in my life and, you know, thinking about setting... And some... I'm going to be super authentic right now about it because we're moms, we have husbands, we have amazing partners, like our partners are just our best friends and we give so much to our children, we give so much to our music and our husbands yes. and do stuff and sometimes you're like, I need to find my, my thing again, whether it's exercising, you have a fitness routine or a hobby or anything like you kind of have to reground yourself on what you're working towards. Cause you're constantly wanting to work towards and help others like your family, you know, reach their goals too. So I think it was one of those points where you're like, I launched Tulum to you. I'm doing all this stuff, but like you, we were. Oh, absolutely. And you know, the thing that I, I, that struck me with doing that is um, like last year was a really one of the hardest years of my life to be fair. And um, I was struggling. I, I had kind of hit a, a I guess a, a point in my life, my father passed away um, suddenly, and that just just shook the entire my entire world. Like, really made me stop, and my my desire and passion for what I was in the middle of doing with my business to loom to you. Like, I was just firing all cylinders, and I was throwing everything at it to the point though that the work life balance was a little out of kilter. Like, I was just work 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 work, and then that just completely derailed really what I was you know why am I doing this like looking back on my life and what I had accomplished and where I was at and where I wanted to be and um yeah I think when the the whole vision boarding um, on January 31st it, it was January year. 31st that's right and I listened to the speakers about risk-taking, like I'd forgotten a little bit about, you know, putting myself back out there again and doing the scary stuff. Um, just also, um, oh, my gosh, there was one particular woman who shared her story of losing her son last year in September. And that just, oh, my God, I I was just tearing up the entire time when she spoke. I couldn't believe she could even get through and talking what about that. for other children and in what the community, the, like, power of purpose this this beautiful this her beautiful yeah. son and and continuing on his legacy and I guess through being able to do that that helped helped her to cope and and heal and you know just get out of bed every day and that struck me then my sadness that I was going my real um grief that I was going through with my father and then experiencing this woman and what she had lost I thought okay Shelley I need to get a grip I know I can get through this and I know I just there's just some changes I need to make and reevaluate you know what those are and so I made a commitment to myself and some of the goals some of those things with the vision was that I, I needed to get back in touch with my spiritual self and so luckily enough a yoga um, studio opened literally five minutes from where I just love how the universe works opened literally five minutes from where I live I can walk there and so I decided that I wanted to do a daily yoga practice where I could get in touch with my spiritual side get grounded and be still and switch off and that one hour of power as I call it my hour of power where it's just been internalizing and just being present and oh my God, I won't let anything encroach on that time. It's like setting up a meeting, you know, that you know that you got to have to in order for your business to work, yeah. or, or or it's that appointment with for your car to get um, fixed so that it continues to run. I find that that is actually the the one thing that is a I have to do it. It's because it's it's mental as well as it is physical and emotional. So that was one um, commitment. The other thing that I really decided which was huge was I decided I didn't want to drink alcohol I wanted to cut alcohol completely out of my life and I felt like um it just it kind of just didn't serve me you know like I, I wanted to see what it felt like to not drink and see what energy came from that and uh I can tell you right now I'm nearly three months into it and I feel amazing I feel like it's made a huge difference um in my energy and my focus 
um, you know, being heavily in menopause, um, you know, 51-year-old, we have to take better care of ourselves. You know, I'm not that 20-something-year-old that can just go out there and and do all the socializing and commit to all it's those like tweaking things. tweaking your diet, tweaking your workout, tweaking your supplements, sometimes just taking things away. Yes, yes, and I felt that was something that would be an interesting exercise and I can already say that I have absolutely no desire really to to go back to um, introducing alcohol again um, I may do it down the road but for right now it's it's working really well for me so I highly recommend it if it's something different you know if it actually feels big like it's, I mean big goals like yeah. definitely to yeah. self-care every day yeah yeah so a lot of that number one it had to because if I'm not really taking care of myself, I'm just no use to anybody. You can't serve like you can't serve the people you love. Like we're servant leaders, servant lovers. You know what I mean? Like yep. you just have to recharge. Exactly. So now that I'm a little further down the track with that, I feel like I've got my. Um, What's next for your yeah. dream? What's yeah. next for your goals this year? Because oh. I know you have them on your map. Absolutely. And that's the hardest part about leading my vision mapping um, event that I did this year because I've done it for so many years with my team and my family and friends and making it a big nationwide virtual. Actually, throughout the country, we had three, pe- three countries. People tuned in from three different countries that day live. I know. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, it. I don't get to see everybody's vision map. And I always put out there, like, send me a picture or share something. And right. I just love seeing it because they're all so unique and so special. And, like, you're in the office right now today, and I have all my previous year's vision maps in my office. And I check back on them and just look at them because they're a part of my history. Yes, yes. I, I'm i going to do it every year. I'm going to absolutely commit to working through, okay, so what, you know, tick off what I did, although I, already I'm And I've you can add to it. Oh, and you can add to it. I love also the visual aspect of it where you have the the pictures like I've got the pictures of where I'm you know getting my zen back again you know in order to if I get that then um, it's quality time with my family 100% doing that which I I needed to make some changes there because I was just so heavily focused on work distracting yourself with work yeah and honestly it just it's a mindset it's it's a real you know you just got to shift like there's only so many hours in the day and the week, right? And not all of them have to be committed to paying the bills and and feeling like you know I've got to grow this way with the business. I feel like look, Shelley, I got to slow down, and that's another thing: slowing down and and breathing. Breathing, yep. It, it's because I came out of my mother's womb in a hurry. Mum said from the moment you appeared, you've always always been in a hurry. You know, you couldn't wait to obviously get on that plane and, and explore. And, and just with everything, it's always has to be done yesterday. It's like if I don't get it done, if it's not been off, you know, taken off my list on the day, I feel like I failed. It's kind of to the point of. And you accomplish more by sitting and breathing and taking yourself in. Because there's so much more Reprioritizing. Yeah. So are you time blocking Tulum to you and like your focus on your business? Is it time blocked now daily? Just like some entrepreneurial tips? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Because you do feel like you've been pulled in so many different directions and how effective are you really being in all of all of those different areas in your life? And I just felt like, okay, if I really want to feel like I'm being successful and I'm enjoying it, yeah. you got to bring the fun back into it. And that's one thing that you are, are huge about is having, it's got to be fun. And if you remove that, it just becomes work. It's hard slog. And then you start to resent that you're missing out on this. And then it's just, you know, so it really is, you've got to prioritize how much time do I need to take care of the vessel and and the, the mind and the body. Then it's, okay, now I, I feel good enough. I've got the energy to focus on the work, how much work is, you know, necessary in one given day to then allow myself to be completely present with what's really the most important thing of all. I'm doing all of this, really. From my family. You're raising one of our future yeah. children. Like Absolutely. that's gonna be a part of this world. So and, like you know, he's gonna be he's nine, he'll be nineteen going to college before I know it. And I will I don't want to be one of those mums that looks back and goes, you know And I just readjusted too. Like it's a, like I had to readjust recently because through our transition and Matt and I being entrepreneurs and both being so driven and calling this our adventure and making the kids a part of everything we were doing. I was making part of everything I was doing too often. 
So we reset what we're doing as well. Like when I come home, I'm not working with them anymore. Or if I do, I step out and Matt's there and we're not juggling it as much as we were because even though it was okay and it worked for us, it wasn't truly working. If I sat back and looked at my day, it wasn't working because I wasn't present while they were there sitting cooking next to me or the 45 minutes sitting at the dinner table because we set the dinner table every night and sit and eat dinner together when I'm cooking at home. That wasn't enough time. Yeah. Like they still wanted more conversation from me and stuff. Oh, absolutely. And, so, and, and that's and I read those signals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jesse's like that a hundred percent. In fact, he now knows. He's like, Mum, get off the phone or, or can you step away? Like he knows just he removes me from whatever I'm doing. He's like, Let's let's move into the next room or let's go outside or let's just he's He's pretty smart. Like he's he's so intuitive, and and he and he really, I guess he's learned a lot by um, seeing what doesn't work, and now what's working. And he loves what's happening now. You're working through it and getting stronger together. Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. I know you're sharing your vision map with him, and I know you're sharing your goals with him, and and that was really the whole purpose this year of kind of doing it more publicly. Um, I want work hard, smile large. And what I've done to help me get to where I'm at in my life be shared with other people because I've been vision mapping and it's helped me and anyone that's participated in it with me. It's helped them. I don't even think I've gotten your letter. You're supposed to write a letter to yourself. Do you know what? I never me. sent it. No, I know. You need know. to give it to me. Okay. I'm going to get it from you. It's another reason for us to get together. Yes. Oh, I, I <laughs> um, always need a reason. But I wanted to do a youth vision mapping event. And Mm -hmm. so you'll see on our YouTube channel, we have the full youth vision mapping this year, but I want them to be able to do that for themselves. Like it's not, it's, I'm doing my daughters a disservice by showing them what my goals are and everything that I'm reaching for and what I'm working on because they too need to be working on themselves. Absolutely. You know? And it's never too, that, it's you know, never too, too early. early. Yeah. Never too early. I agree. And, and in fact, I, I really will make sure that Jesse's going to be a part of the next one that you do with the kids because I know he will um, relish in, in that environment and learning, but also maybe. I think cheering. he would even benefit from watching it on our, our Work Hard Small Large YouTube channel because we had youth come and speak to, you know, our kids. And it was yep. powerful oh. seeing. Others get up and speak in front of, you know, they had the same anxiety and fears and, you know, um, stories to tell, you know, where they're like, well, what else? Public speaking is hard. Oh, it is. <laughs> Let alone public speaking to a bunch of kids and adults. But you're that, amazing yeah. at it. I'm not, so I'm not great at I it. I can't wait for next year to have, you know, some more youth ambassadors lead our vision mm-hmm. mapping and be mm-hmm. key speakers and talk to our even larger community because we're adding youth ambassadors every single day and we're going to. Oh man, I think it's great that you're setting up this platform for these kids to really go and and um, yeah, shine and and maybe work on be influenced hiding. by the right things, right? Like we're not perfect; we're authentic humans. Like we are doing the best we can do, but they need to learn from us. We don't need to wait until they're adults to learn how to do these things and how to set a goal or to collaborate with one another or to get yeah. their friends together to talk about something and network about it. It's not gossip. There's a way to do those things. Yeah productively and you know a positive message too you know i think with with jesse the one thing that i i hope i am i'm able to impart is for how he can survive without me you know i want him to learn just the basic life skills i know school does what the education takes care of one aspect of what's important but certainly at home you know i don't want to do it all for him not a lot of school is applicable to real life so yeah you've got to give the real life component for sure exactly exactly yeah it's yeah, we're we're lacking, and we'll get to that. There's going to be some pretty powerful um, guest speakers that come on in the future that are going to be talking a lot about our education system and what they're doing. Right. So Such it'll be sh- just amazing. So much, so much change going on. I think COVID, in particular, um, for all the horrible things that came out of that, um, there was some absolute like ne- ne- necessary. Um, things that needed to shake up, uh, you know, the education system. system. Yep, for sure. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad that that happened. But going back to the kids and, and you know, setting those goals and visions and what have you, uh, Jesse, um, I definitely, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what comes out of that when he does that maybe next year or, or um, you know, even they really, like say, do they really reach in and think about themselves and where they want to be or who they are. And that's kind of really powerful. What do you want your legacy to be? I mean, you've already done so much, but what do you want your legacy to be? 
I really thought about that because you did warn me. You said, like, this is going to be something that I might I know. I don't you. like catching people off guard. Well, because but it's such a big question. And it's different for every single person. So It's huge. I want everyone And it to took hear. me a couple of days to really think about it and, and really honestly know how to answer that. I think by just leading by example. So everything I have done in my past and what I'm doing today and what I hopefully continue to do in the future is that I hope my child... Jesse in particular, because really it, it is about my legacy for him, is that he will he will embrace and love me. Mum was, you know, she had a thirst for adventure and experiences, and that's hopefully something that spills into what he is, you know, has that desire for wanting to go out there and seek, and and you know, and even when it's really scary, and give everything a, a really good shot, you know. Like I, I honestly just always didn't allow things to stop me from trying something really scary and and I hope that my legacy of the things that I have accomplished in my life and music and all that sort of thing um, is something that really carries on into you know Jesse's world when he's old enough and starts to think about what did mum do in this situation um, and speaking of music well the most powerful gift that I could leave behind like well after I'm gone um, my storytelling through my songs that I have written about you know my beautiful love song for his dad is there will always have that to listen to what's the title of the song two worlds collided which you know was the very first love song I'd ever written for anyone um, I wrote another song um, gosh just trying to think life is beautiful through, you know, some of the worst things that can happen in life. Um, sometimes we just have to remember just the small, the little things that make our life beautiful. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that my son will have that when I'm long gone, that he can listen and feel like I'm still in the room. That's the powerful thing about music is that, you know, I listen to Elvis Presley, for example, or Olivia Newton-John, who passed away last year, who was a huge influence for me. But Every time I hear her voice, it's like she's right there with me. And I love that. That's amazing. So we'll be inspiring him. Yeah, exactly. Eternity. Well, after I'm gone. And, and maybe. Reminding him it's never too late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that. The other thing I think, which I think is really huge for this whole legacy question, is that um, during COVID, Jesse's uh, American passport um, expired, like a lot of people's passports expired. And we were one of those families that traveled through COVID. We went to Mexico when um, no one really was traveling. Unfortunately, his um, American passport expired. So I said to my husband, oh my gosh, I have been meaning to get Jesse's New Zealand citizenship and passport sorted. And here this opportunity presented itself. And I thought, well, I'm going to see if I can get that sorted now so he can travel on that passport. So I rang the New Zealand Immigration and um, Passport Office and uh, I said, look, I've actually got an elderly father who still lives in New Zealand and um, he's, he's not well. That was my excuse for trying to get this passport expedited and his immigration stuff. And uh, the guy was super friendly. He said, look, love, he said, just send me an email, send the, um, you know, fill in the application form and just email it to me. Like you could never, ever be able to do that here. And so I sent him an email, and I kid you not, one week later, opened up the um, envelope, and there was Jesse's New Zealand passport, and this beautiful letter saying that he was a New Zealand citizen, which just, I burst into tears. And I thought, my job is done. My job is done. No amount, is, of, her legacy, no amount of money. Her legacy. <laughs> no amount of money could buy this. Like, this literally, if he wanted to study work raise a family in New Zealand he has that opportunity if he wants to work in um, Britain for a couple of years on his big overseas experience New Zealand passport holders can do that like this this is like the ticket to a lot of amazing things in his life his future and life thought, adventure job is done thank you good job mom good job mom <laughs> <laughs> I think Rod was jealous after that. He's like, oh, great. So what am I, how am I going to follow up with that? Yeah. He's going to have to keep his up to date here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't let it expire. Exactly, yeah. Well, I'm super grateful for having you in part of my life. And it's part of my life. And we talk as often as we possibly can through all your Zen time and uh, yeah. your music and everything. But Tulum, to you, 
Yes. We got to get a little touch on Tulum to you and you can go follow her at Tulum to you on Instagram. But yeah, I'm excited about that. It's, you it's know, a year. it's morphed into something far, far bigger than I had originally, um, you know, thought. Um, it was something that uh, seriously, my husband um, had spent many, many years down in um, the Yucatan Peninsula. His uh, father started one of the first dive shops in that region in the 70s. And so my my husband had been down diving, doing cave diving, just absolutely loves that whole region. And um, so, of course, when we got together, he wanted to share his, his sanctuary with me. And I immediately fell in love with Tulum being a place that just represented, it touched on all of the places that I had visited throughout my life. So where I came from, New Zealand, like that whole just the, the greenery and the ocean the jungle, the zen. Um, Tulum's a pretty unique place. It's a very unique place. You've got a little bit of, um, you know, I feel like it's Bali meets um, Japan meets, uh, you know, the south of France. I mean, it really is quite a unique place. So I consequently had spent a lot of time over the years with my husband. And every time I came back, I would come home with these trinkets or these gorgeous little outfits or jewellery or any of those sorts of things. And I'd end up on stage performing. And often, more often than not, I would be asked, where can I buy that stuff? And so eventually I thought, well, maybe, maybe I should start putting, you know, a collection together and maybe selling it. And uh, so we're talking with various friends um, over a couple of years I finally had one particular friend, Paulina, who had started her own beautiful business um, five years, six years ago now, uh, making these amazing uh, recycled bags. Yeah. Huge. She's super modern, monochromatic. Oh, oh, all that. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. And the thing that I've actually seen down in Tulum too, unfortunately, is that a lot of the plastic ends up in the ocean and so all the marine life's been affected. So you've got turtles and stuff that are coming out and they've got plastic, you know, all through their entire. It's just horrible to see. So my beautiful friend um, said, Shelly, I'm sick of hearing about it. Just do it. Oh, but I can help you. I'm like, okay, so what does that mean? She said, design what you, what you want. Let's get together. Let's design your beautiful bags. And we talked about my travels and where I came from, and that's how that was born. And so the, the pattern on the bags really reminds me of where I um, where I come from, which the culture there, we've got the Maoris, the indigenous people that were there before we became New Zealand. And uh, the, the pattern on the bag reminds me of the, um, the woven bags that were made out of flax, which is like a, a plant. Yeah, the leaves, like the, the flax seed. Yeah. Plants. Yep, long skinny and, leaves. Uh, so I thought, if it reminds me of where I'm from, it's a good starting place. So we we introduced that, and um, that was just 16, 17 months ago now that I uh, launched that, and it's gone from being bags into cover-ups. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing room sprays and perfumes. I'm doing hats. Um, it's just, yeah, really um, morphed into something far bigger than I had. All her favorite things. All my favorite things. Anybody yeah. else can get. <laughs> yes and I love I'm a walking talking billboard yeah. I'm wearing my thing I smell nice I mean it's like I'm trying to I just want if it to for all of it really to be an experience it's like with the music when you hear the music if you go to Tulum to you it's not just about what I'm selling it's also about you know the sounds that you would hear from down there so I put a playlist together um you know it's I, I love that I can bring all my worlds together in this one place you just uh, tulum to you brings all your worlds together it really really does yeah Absolutely. and she's at the markets and she's I'm scooting good. around i am and talking to more people meeting more people in the community yeah love that sharing. and now i'm uh, going to be exporting back to my homeland so looking at uh, exporting to new zealand australia probably coming up through um, southeast asia and the uk so this is just the beginning i'm so excited to, to at least have gotten to a place where I'm just laying that foundation down and it's coming from a, a very authentic, genuine place, you Absolutely. know. Yeah. So and you're working with people different. that you enjoy. I love it. Yep. Love it. Yep. I know you do that too. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining me. I'm always learned so much from you and I learned a little bit more about your music career and how your travels have gotten you 
here in your beautiful place with your beautiful family. Um, but stay tuned for more episodes of our Work Hard, Smile Large podcast. You can find Shelly at Tulum to you on Instagram or Shelly Mac official. Yes, we're I'll all put my that beautiful one up there music. Too you for, might even hear something after we wrap up. We'll but. play some of her music here. <laughs> but if you'd like to be a guest on a future podcast episode, please, um, you can email us at workhardsmilelarge at gmail.com or you can go to our Instagram, workhardsmilelarge. And go to the link tree in the bio and we'll have our guest form there. I love connecting and hearing everybody's stories. Don't um, forget to turn your notifications on. We always post our events on our social media as well. And we have a website, www.workhardsmilelarge.com. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank so you. So happy to have Work Hard so Smile Large fun. out in the world in a podcast. Yay, and, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I can't wait to hear everybody else's stories. I, it's going to be wonderful. And we always close out. Work hard. Smile large. <laughs> See ya. Reading maps in an American car. Don't dream it's over. It's taking us further and further and further. American road trip and not American girl. It seems like. Welcome to the Work Hard, Smile Large podcast, where we explore the outcome of hard work and the power of positivity in our daily lives. In each episode, we'll delve into the benefits of positive mindsets, hear inspiring stories, and provide tips for cultivating smiles all around us, highlighting healthy habits and living a full life while giving focus to various lifestyles that shine bright in this world. Help spread Work Hard, Smile Large in your community by coming together, pouring into others, and inspiring the youth to become WHSL ambassadors too. Sit back, relax, and get ready to embrace the Work Hard, Smile Large vibe.